Welcome to 7 Skills for the Future podcast. I'm Emma Sue Prince. So welcome to the show. This podcast is all about putting you in the driving seat of your own life. You're going to be so much happier, live a life of purpose and meaning just by using these 7 skills. I'm delighted to welcome Julia Hobsbawm to this podcast episode. Julia is an entrepreneur. She's an expert in modern connectedness and its restraints. And she coined the term social health, which has been widely picked up on with interest by global bodies such as the OECD and World Health Organization. Julie's written a book called Fully Connected, Social Health in an Age of Overload. And of course, I'm so keen to talk to her about some of the areas she discusses in her book. And I'm just thrilled to have you on the show today, Julia. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, hi. Well, it is my pleasure. And of course, for somebody that writes and thinks about the excesses of technology, it is um, ironic indeed that, of course, I'm entirely dependent on technology (laughs) to do this interview with you. Uh, I'm down the line in London and you are not face to face with me. But thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And and it's a delight. So I thought it'd be great if you could start by telling us a bit more about your work and specifically about our use of digital and your own experiences of using technology. My career really spanned this extraordinary moment in the history of technology from analogue to digital. So I've had a career one way or another in business and in communications and broadcasting uh, and publishing all of which has been at the forefront of, of, of the revolution in, in, in the move from analog to digital. And that's happened over an incredibly short period of time, less than 30 years since we've, we've moved from having technology that is, if you like, away from us at a distance uh, to being a desktop, to being a laptop, and now to the mobile. And I've become incredibly interested in what that does to us as human beings. And whilst I'm just as keen on mass technology as the next person and just as dependent on it, I think there are pretty serious consequences that we're just waking up to. And so I began Mm. to write about it. um, And I began to look at it in the context of health because I began to think, well, what if we accept that our relationship to technology and the always on and the social network is to some degree, some of the time, dysfunctional. The idea Mm. of function and dysfunction is what we've become pretty literate about when we think about our physical and our mental health. And culturally, it's become pretty widespread and normal, hasn't it, to belong to the gym or be in a running club Mm. or count your carbs Mm. or your calories or have a Fitbit. There's a literacy, there's a culture that is normal now and indeed around mental health as well as physical health. And I thought, what would it look like to think about creating a similar awareness and culture and practice around what are, you know, obviously social and social connectedness and that's when I came up with the idea of Mm. of social health and so I wrote my book Fully Connected in in hardback in 2017 it's now the middle of 2019 and 
it's since come out in paperback. And I've been slightly taken aback by the fact that really not a single week has gone by. So over over 150 weeks since the original publication um, of the book. Um, and I just, uh, you know, keep getting asked to talk about it and write mm, about it and mm, think about mm. it or be booked to speak about it. Yes. And that, that to me is interesting. Mm, mm. So it's very, it, it's very timely though, isn't it? Because, it? because as you say, the awareness, I think, is growing of the impact of digital on our lives. Um, can you say a bit more about the impact in your own life and how you manage that and, and you know, yes. what you do? Well, because I'm an entrepreneur, obviously I have to um, make my own luck every day. I run a couple of small businesses. And so I'm as much a victim of the always on as anybody else. Mm. Plus, I'm a natural extrovert and a communicator. And so I have embraced all of these technologies. And Mm. the truth is that I found to my own cost about 12 years ago, that I just couldn't keep up with the, the normal life, if you like, of running a small business. I've got quite a large family, three children, two stepchildren, um, and the growing amount of connectedness that was happening with the arrival of social network. And I, I burnt out, got overloaded, and I got really quite ill. I got pneumonia and sepsis. Mm. And as I was recovering, you could argue that, of course, those were becoming physically ill is completely unrelated to being stressed. But I'm not mm. sure anybody ever believes that anymore. And certainly the no. data shows that you know, there's 15 million working days in the UK alone are lost to stress um, yeah. as a proportion of the days taken for ill health. And even if you're super cynical and say that there's a rise in stress days taken after major sporting events or whatever, the reality is that work is indeed stressful. And the reality mm. is that the rise in days lost globally across the workforce, not just the UK, are in line with the rise of connected technology. So Mm. I feel Mm. one doesn't have to be sort of amazingly scientific. Uh, I'm more of a social Mm. scientist than an empirical and hard science Mm. scientist. But I mean, one doesn't have to be a rocket scientist to say there's Mm. a correlation. And so Mm. I took my own experience and began to look more widely. I'm especially interested in the impact of overconnectedness in the workplace. I particularly think that whilst those people who have stable jobs regard themselves quite rightly as lucky because so many jobs are changing and so many jobs are going out to robots and so many jobs are becoming Mm. freelance and zero hours and all of that, the truth is that those of us who are in stable, salaried or fixed contract work have a very complicated, connected landscape to negotiate Mm. every single day. Yeah, yeah. Can you feel that? Yes, I see that every every day. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to not have to commute every day. But when I do, most of the time, I just see people on their phones working, uh, working, working, working. I think we've sort of normalised the idea of working all the hours. I think we've elongated the working day by yeah. several hours, surely. I mean, <laughs> I, there's nothing wrong. In fact, there's a lot that's right about what's been called generation mobile. And the evidence is that the millennials and the and the generation z that comes after them they they prize being mobile more or less above all else um and that presents really interesting challenges for 
for, for the old corporation that either have to make their workplaces super, super delicious and attractive um, mm-hmm. or they have to accept that, um, you, you know, everybody wants to what's called BYOD, bring your own device and <laughs> dock into, um, into cloud-based services and systems. I'm not against mobile working as such, but as you've rightly pointed out, what's happened is this new era of the mobile has collapsed the old boundaries between work and mm. home, has collapsed mm. that moment of stopping and starting and has made mm. us work, really live much more in our brains and our heads and those stresses are very particular and and now well understood in neuroscience which is you just cannot overtax the brain with too many demands on its attention without overheating um so for example we make about thirty-five thousand individual decisions a day every day just by being human just by mm. unconsciously deciding to walk upstairs or downstairs or, mm. you know, to, 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 um, to, to do certain functions. And operating digitally increases those range of choices because increasingly as you navigate through a website or an app or an intranet or a shared messenger system, you are being asked more and more decisions. Do you want to go left? Do you want to go right? Do you want to go mm. forward? Do you want to go back? Do you want to download do you want to upload do you want Mm. to all of that and we have to recognize that there is a disconnect in all of this connectedness Mm. between what the basic human being joanna blogs joe blogs what the basic model of a human being which is the same for every human being which is we have a finite number of hours in the week which is 168 which is we have a limited cognitive attention um, mm. and those of, of quantum computing, which we're surrounded by, which have no limit, which live night and day, which keep humming in yes. the background all the time. So just as a common sense principle, I think social health is based on saying we've got an infobesity crisis, like we have an obesity mm. crisis, we have an excess mm. of connectedness mm. and information and streams. And so we need to take quite practical steps just like we mm. do with our physical and our mental health. Nobody, yes. nobody sits on a sofa anymore, you know, mainlining a packet of hobnobs, washed <laughs> down with a litre of Coca-Cola and thinking that's healthy. Yes, I mean, when you put it like that, and, and, and I love the term infobesity as well, because it really kind of brings that to life, because of course you wouldn't do that. Not my phrase, alas. I can, <laughs> I can say that I coined the phrase social health, although, of course, like all of these things, I'm sure somebody else will be wandering around. <laughs> claiming credit for social yeah. health but yes I was struck by yeah. obesity because I think people completely get it they get the yes. comparison to yes just yes. as a sugar yeah. sugar and, immediately yes yes exactly. yeah yeah now um I know you have um teenage children and, and I have my youngest son is uh, 12 mm. and I was just wondering how what you think about how young people are using technology and whether or not we can expect there to for this to get better because I feel quite optimistic in many ways about how my son is using his new mobile phone because I held off for a long time and I feel he's using it actually quite responsibly but what are your what's been your experience of that with teenagers well I'm not as much of a doom and gloom merchant as some, although, you know, very, very interesting um, psychologists and psychoanalysts like Dr. Peter Fonagy of UCL have, have really raised very serious alarm bells 
over the long term about young people and technology. I think mm. what matters is what I call the hierarchy of communication, which is mm. we need to remember that the human being is at their best when they can create and enjoy trust and intimacy, basically using some or all of our five senses. Um, you and I are speaking using our voices, and that is a very strong human thing to connect with and it's interesting isn't it in technology that voice activated and video activated tech is like the new big thing the reality is that the first 30 years of the internet has embraced the bottom of the pyramid of the hierarchy of communication which is mass mm. communication mass broadcast social networks is about blaring out your message it's become colonized by companies anybody who is on social media mm is in the business of self-promotion. It doesn't matter yes. who they are, whether they're a yeah. cause, whether they're a corporation, whether they're a journalist, whether mm. they're an author, whether they're a mm. cause-related marketer. And so that has given us a cacophony that the rest of us are finding difficult, but it's also given us a lack of intimacy. And so what I think matters for all of us, not just young people, is that there mm -hmm. is a sufficient balance I would say at the very least, it has to be a so-called Pareto's law of 80-20, which is at least 20% of your interactions every single day, every single week, must be face-to-face -face in the company of others. Mm -hmm. And you might say, well, that's crazy, of course. But the truth is a <laughs> lot of people are now living their lives exclusively hitting reply mm. all on email or texting yeah. Or posting on social media. And those boundaries, frankly, regardless of whether they're happening with six-year-olds, 16-year-olds or 66-year-olds, mm. are problematic mm. for society, I believe. You refer to our senses and I'm thinking that actually we probably underestimate how much time we are interacting with technology and how important it is to be using all of our senses or to, or to maybe just have the kind of rule that we are using our five senses in some way each day yes whether it's going by outside or, or, or just talking face to face or tasting something or just kind of deliberately almost using all five senses yes and I certainly think that one bright spot in this you know fairly fairly gloomy picture that I think we're both accepting is is there <laughs> which is you know the always on era, mm. two and a half billion emails a day, everything's speeding up, getting faster and faster, more overwhelming, is that we are seeing a shift towards nature. People are becoming not just mm -hmm. more aware of the environment from a sustainability perspective, but there is a lot more. If you look, say, on Instagram, there's an awful lot of people in the professions and they're just posting pictures of, at the moment of bluebells and swans. And mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so people are yes. turning away from <laughs> technology and towards nature. And the other thing yeah. going back to the analogy of health is that physical and mental health practices are much more prevalent. So in mental mm, health, mm. mindfulness, relaxation, yes. these are, um, I, I don't believe, by the way, that mindfulness is the be all and end all of, of well-being at work, but that's a separate conversation. But I do think mm, that people's mm. discussion around calming one's overloaded brain is, is very positive. And then, of yes. course, we are yes. seeing a lot more physical exercise. I mean, the market in wellness, that's everything from mm. gyms 
to vitamins, to spas, is more than twice the size, the published size of the arms trade. I mean, it's several trillion uh, <laughs> dollars. Mm. And that in itself is really very interesting. That also happened over the last 70 years. So I yes. think that what's going to happen, and I, I predict really, is that what we're going to see over the next five years is a, is a lessening of the grip of mass market social network mm -hmm, we're going mm -hmm. to become much more mm -hmm. choosy about the social networks we belong to and we're going to belong to much smaller groupings mm -hmm. and it, i mean facebook itself recognizes that one of the ways it can redeem itself is by is by becoming niche community network enabler rather than sort of mass broadcast news provider but the other prediction i have is that in our lives we're going to start measuring our social health in the same way that we we, you know, as I say, measure our weight or we measure our, yes. count our calories or we, we measure our steps. And, and mm, what I mean mm. by that is we're going to begin to value the three ingredients I believe make up social health. So if you think that physical and mental health essentially, wherever you are in the world, is made up of knowing your consumption and ratio around nutrition, exercise and sleep. Broadly speaking, that's how everybody on the planet keeps well and uninjured. You've got to have the right nutrient. You've got to mm. move your body and be able to move your body and you have to have rest and sleep. I think mm. social health has a similar sort of trio um, that I've called the knot. Knowledge mm -hmm. plus network plus time. What that means is mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're a corporation or you're a cog in the wheel of a business or whether you're self-employed or whether you're a carer at home, what information you have and trust and can share and not be overloaded by is crucial. So mm -hmm. that's obviously mm -hmm. one thing, you know, whether it's a recipe, whether it's a, a strategy that it, it, we, we see time and time again, very serious failings happening because of a lack of information, whether it's a terrorist atrocity, mm. where it turns out that intelligence was there but just wasn't shared. So knowledge mm. Mm. being cleanly, in a trusting way, curated, gathered and distributed is just as important mm -hmm. as a wide source mm -hmm. of foods. Um, networks are critical. We're in a networked world and we absolutely know that to be isolated is massively problematic. And to be well connected across a diverse range of groupings is very, very positive mm -hmm. and healthy, mm -hmm. whether you're an individual, as I say, or you're a department. And the third aspect, a bit like sleep and the poverty of sleep impacting hugely negatively on people's well-being, mm -hmm. is that we, we do all face something of a time poverty. And being able to control your time, being able to treat your calendar or your diary a little bit like your body where you say, hang on a minute, no one's putting anything in there that I don't give permission for, could really be quite radical. So I'm quite optimistic that the social health model I've created could be enacted and measured and monitored. And that in the next five years, people are going to turn around and go, yeah, yeah, this is my BMI rating. And, you know, this is my social health rating. Yes, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, I love that model because I think it gives us some easy ways that we can try and put this into practice. You know, we can think of ways that we can have that model represented in our lives, can't we? Yeah, I think so. It's got parallels across, as I say, the personal and the professional, given that yeah, we're, we yeah. really are all, almost all, 
leading a blended life where we mm. take mm. ourselves to work wherever work is and work comes home with us. And what would be your sort of three top tips for anyone looking to take action on their social health? I think the first thing would be to create a sort of knowledge dashboard around your information sources, a little bit like the five a day, which, by the way, is a marketing Mm -hmm. construct. I mean, nobody actually needs (laughs) only five sources of fruit and veg, but people can remember it. (laughs) I would say you need to make sure that what you're reading and viewing and listening to is relatively nutritious, that, you know, by all means, veg out, by all means, look at stuff and read stuff that you know is silly or distracting. But are you, in Mm. fact, informing yourself? Are you having a sufficient blend of things that you read at length and scan and skim that is news and views and, if you like, entertainment, Mm. as well as all the specialist information that any of us might need to stay on top of? So I think having a, a mixed variety in your knowledge diet would be the first tip Mm -hmm. the second is to make sure that you you have at least 20 percent of your time spent in your social networks face to face so that could be the next time you want to reply all on a group email you go oh I might have a cup of coffee with that person or I might just phone them up to really devote that time even though that might seem like uh, an investment that's quite intense and that might seem problematic because lots of people do find the idea of networking problematic. And by the way, even obvious extroverts like me, I'm not completely 100% extrovert. I have lots of aspects of my personality, as we all do, which is quite shy or not in the mood. And so the truth is that actually just having a conversation with somebody one person to another is in a way much more manageable and human than the slightly fake construct of working a room and going to a large event. I mean, that seems to me, um, you know, really becoming a bit more sophisticated about the value of networks and not thinking so much about networking, but what network do I belong to and who in my network have I seen face to face would be my second piece of advice. And the third piece of advice I've already given, really, which is the one about treating your time and the way you manage and monitor your time, i.e. a diary, uh, as, as your body. And that you really own, well, I mean, you and I are an interesting example of how we've organized this interview. We've gone back and forth quite a bit, but we've decided on the most efficient way based on where you are in your day today where I am in my day today. And I think that's very, very important. Lots of people end up in meetings they don't want to be in or traveling Mm, in a way they don't mm. want to travel or just jumping Mm. about from one to another. And a really interesting piece of research was done on attention, which shows that it takes something like 24 minutes to recover your concentration after you've been interrupted. So if you imagine you're having four meetings a day in four different locations, even if they're in the same building, you're probably taking about an hour and 20 minutes to just readjust from those meetings. That's more real than saying, oh, no, I'm in the, you know, I'm just herring from one thing to another. So those would be my, those would be my social health tip. Thank you. And 
the tips that you're giving are really about heightening our awareness of how we're doing things, really. I certainly think noticing is the first step. Absolutely. You can't notice your physical fitness unless you notice, well, am I sitting down all the time or am I walking um, between the bus stop and my office? You know, we have to start to notice. It's what I call pattern management. You know, you've got to see your patterns. And then you can make decisions about what you can do about those patterns. And by the way, not everybody needs to sort of follow social health and the prescriptions that I offer in my book, Fully Connected Like a Diet. It's really more of a lifestyle. Some people may say, I'm really across the information piece. I mean, I've been asked to speak to, I won't name them, but one of the world's largest, possibly the world's largest information business. And they obviously are pretty across how to manage their knowledge. Uh, they don't really need me mm. to talk to them about that, but they're very interested in hearing me talk to them about their networks and their time management. So individual yeah. people listening to this will make a decision about which bit they might think they want to pursue and get, get more involved in. Yes. Some people may say, well, I've got a fabulous yeah. network and I'm really over-networked that's fine. But gosh, you've got a mm. point about time management. I hadn't thought about that. Thank you so much. And wh- where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, well, they can they can look me up on a search engine. I have a website. I've got some videos on YouTube and I present a podcast called The Human and Machine, which is on iTunes and all the usual places, because I'm particularly mm. interested in how we as humans operate when we are surrounded by um, all of this technology so yes Mm. look me up or look up my book on Amazon and um, have a think about social health see if it's for you great well I'll make sure we have all the links up on the show notes for people to access very kind thank you thank you so much for speaking on our podcast I think many of the things that you talk about resonate with the seven skills and with just being more present in our lives. I mean, our lives are so precious. And I just love some of the things that you talk about, and especially about social health. So thank you so much for for being with us today. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the seven skills for the future podcast. There are all sorts of things you can do to boost each of the seven skills. If you want more ideas, you can buy the book seven skills for the future. You can also go online to our website, Unimenta and join as a member and you'll be able to access more resources, ideas and free downloads. If you have a question you want to ask on these podcasts, get in touch through Instagram at seven skills for the future or on Twitter and Facebook at Unimenta. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast player of choice.